This is the end of season one of Creative Conversation, and I can't even begin to tell you how incredible it's been. We've heard from some amazing guests like David Sedaris, Regina Hall, and Roman Coppola, but now I want to hear from you. Fast Company Podcast is looking for our audience to weigh in on season one so we can make season two even better. Just go to fastcompany.com slash survey slash podcast, and as a listener, once you complete the survey, you'll be entered to win a $50 gift card. Again, that's fastcompany.com slash survey slash podcast to take our audience survey, tell us what you want to hear, and you'll be entered to win a $50 gift card. Thanks for listening to Season 1 of Creative Conversation, and I'll see you in Season 2. Politicians from the right and the left and the center, and we, we, I think we're, you know, we've really been fair in the way we comment on them. And there's redeeming features in everyone for me. I think there's, the humanity is still there for me. I'm not doing things to be mean or cruel or glib. I'm Casey Finey, and this is Fast Company's Creative Conversation, a podcast where we tap into some of the most creative minds in film, TV, music, and beyond. We're tackling the mental roadblocks these creatives have encountered on projects or moments where they felt stuck in their careers. By diving into the problem and the lessons they learned from it, you'll hopefully have a clear blueprint to manage your own creativity. Tracy Ullman has made a successful career being just about anyone but herself. The Emmy-winning legend has spent more than three decades on TV, slipping into the skins of everyone from Dame Judi Dench to German Chancellor Angela Merkel. And now, in the third season of her HBO show, cleverly titled Tracy Ullman Show, she's grappling with the post-Brexit, post-Trump dystopia by being more topical than ever. But not every personality she takes on is a perfect fit. In our conversation, Tracy explains how her approach to comedy has evolved and how she makes her most difficult sketches work. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Good to see you again. You've had such an immense career in comedy that spans TV and film and theater, and you've done, like, God knows how many characters and impressions, but... Is there anything new you've discovered about yourself or your creative process going into season three of your current show? Because you've had a lot of shows now. Mm, uh, yeah, and they've always got my name in the title, I which I think is. <laughs> See, the Tracy Ullman yeah, show. Yeah, I know. The Tracy Ullman show. I know. I never go for those ethereal ones when right. we first create a show and they go, what would it be like if you called it like her her thoughts or um, what is she into now? I was like, oh, no, 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 put your name in the title. It's best, Just for, put my name it's best for the show. TV guide and if we're going to sell it, you know. Uh, I just still love doing it, you know. I like... This last year, actually, this season that goes out uh, is more immediate. It was great fun to do a show where we realised the news cycle is so fast. And if I did a political character in the show like Angela Merkel or the British Prime Minister Theresa May, the way we filmed the first two series, we would maybe shoot in June. It would go out in October or something. But it's everything's changed by then. Um, so we decided to do probably two-thirds of the show we'd shoot three months before transmission so we could bank some sketches that would be pertinent for a while and then the week before transmission we would have a week where we just throw the newspapers on the table what's going on quick and and we could uh, record sketches to go out two days before the show it it, you know you just can't tell long winding stories didn't seem to be right this year or you know linking stories and um, that had beginning middles and ends and it's just all about the news and people are just obsessed with politics right Right. now and that's something I actually noticed because you know it's 
the sketches mo- do move a lot faster. It's just very much mm. like, you know, you'll have one clip like where you're impersonating like a BBC commentator like that lasts maybe a few seconds and then you go straight into the next thing. Mm. And so, you know, because you have been doing this for so long, what do you find yourself approaching comedy any different than you did, say, when your first show aired in like 1987? Or is it the same process for you? Well, I think I've become a bit more of a... I mean, I'm always a character actress. I'm not right. a comedian. I'm not a stand-up. Which is just I'm, ridiculous because you're so funny. But I'm not a, <laughs> I couldn't do it. I, I'm not an impersonator. I started doing impersonations of famous people really to attract attention to a show but in this climate. Right. And uh, playing Dame Judi Dench mm-hmm. within a show, it's a bit of a cheat and it sort of like steals from her, but it's... It's so much fun, and she likes it. You know, she was because she's so young at heart, Judy, and everybody wants to treat her like Dame Judy Dench, and as if she's this doyenne of the theatre, and really she's somebody who likes to be naughty and run around and get tattoos and wear jewellery from India and be punky, and she is. Right. And uh, I was so glad that she liked it, um, but I still keep what lovely people like her I can have in the show but then doing these immediate and more topical and political satire there's two writers on the show Mm -hmm. Kevin Cecil and and Andy Riley and they used to write for Spitting Image a real big political satire show in the in the 80s and 90s Mm. in England that used puppets by Fluck and Law and uh they write on the show and they're so good at this political satire and I really wanted to get into that much more whereas a few years ago I never would have done that. Right. I go, oh, let's just do a nice song and dance in the library <laughs> and um, I can be a woman with a, you know, a 102-year-old mum who's mean to her and I used to like stuff like that and now I'm like, yeah, let's go for it. So what is behind that? Because I think that that's, that's really interesting because I feel like there's been moments in your career where you where you thought I wouldn't do this but then you wind up doing it so what is kind of behind that motivation to kind of push yourself in these new directions I've earned it I'm older <laughs> I uh, can talk about politics and reflect and, and look back on things that have happened and how it's cyclical and you don't feel so naive about it and you don't right. feel like you're being used by any political group to with a message and I I think in the 80s you know like there was like I did a video with a, the leader of the Labour Party at that time and I <laughs> they just made him show up and be in one of my pop videos and they never let me forget it. <laughs> I was excoriated for it. He was excoriated <laughs> for it. And it was like one of the first, you know, times that po- politics and entertainment sort of crossed over right. and they never forgot it in England and I... Uh, I'm still friends with him. He's Neil Kinnock, Lord Kinnock now. I go and have tea with him in the (laughs) House of Lords and we have tea and the little mice run across the carpets. You should see the House of Lords. It's just unbelievable. It's sort of Harry Potter with a lot more mice. Um, (laughs) And no owls to swoop in and get them. (laughs) The Lord doesn't get his own owl. Uh, But... uh, and and you know and I and I my show the show uh, before it goes out on HBO it it goes out on BBC One mm-hmm. and the BBC are always accused of being having liberal bias mm. um, and I've I think we're very even handed on the show we we take politicians from the right and the left and the centre and we we I think we're you know we've really been fair in the way we comment on them and we're not. As I say, we're not living in this sort of like liberal indignation bubble, and you know, it's 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 uh, and there's redeeming features in everyone for me. I think there's the humanity is still there for me. I'm not doing things to be mean or cruel or 
glib. Uh, it, it has to mean something. And at the end of the day, the, my strength is I, I just really commit to the characters and I really love the acting and the... But it was a very fun season. And yeah, I liked being the newscaster, having the BBC news lady come in every few minutes with some comments. Because you do see those women and they have that <laughs> BBC voice. Right. BBC and they do 24-hour news and we call her Simone Reynolds and she gets the four o'clock shift. <laughs> Hello, it's Simone Reynolds and it's 4am. Um, because you get that, that they, some women have to do that. Some Absolutely. newscasters have to do it. I remember watching when BBC first went... 24-hour news. I remember watching a woman like Simone Reynolds talking about uh, the Libyan conflict and in the background a Sikh gentleman was going across with a vacuum cleaner <laughs> and he was getting like waste paper bins getting you, and there was nobody to stop him because it was just her with the automated camera right. and he had no idea he was on camera and he, started, <laughs> he gets a bit of pledge out and he's like cleaning the cabinets oh it was so That's adorable <laughs> and you mentioned some of uh, the writers that you have in your mm. writer's room and you know I know that some of the writers also worked on you know shows like Veep which is you know yeah. this huge yeah. so when you th- when you think about the people that you are tapping into kind of assembling your writer's room what is kind of the collective tone you're aiming for with Tracy Ullman's show like when you look at the writers that you've chosen to help you with the show like what can you kind of glean from that to say like this is kind of the collective tone that we're going for with the show well, writers are crucial. Absolutely. Um, I set the tone. I write uh, uh, some stuff myself, but mostly I just sort of give them an idea of what we want to do and I can improvise the characters I'm thinking of and talk about um, who I feel I can be. And it's, it's difficult sometimes. I want to be someone like Jeremy Corbyn, the leader mm. of the Labour Party, a male, you know, and it seems impossible at first, but then I have such a genius makeup team and I study at him and 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 who he is and where he's from and all those things and somehow it comes together and I've had great fun doing that and and then one of the other writers Lawrence played John McDonnell his lieutenant and we had a, and he wrote the sketches right. pretty much in the end and we both played the characters anyway I've diversified but the 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 act, the writers are just crucial as I mentioned Kevin and Andy are wonderful Georgia Pritchett is wonderful she also worked on Veep so they have an American sensibility too they know what it's like to be in a writer's room in America where you all come in and you all pitch ideas and you all write together right. whereas in England more they go off and they go and live in Brighton with their cat and come back in with some <laughs> scripts a bit and you know this big communal table what are we going to do guys feel is more American and right. we're doing it more and more in England uh but you, it's like an eclectic group, really. There's some people who are great at one-liners, some people who are better at stories, there's some people who really get the characters I do. And uh, Giles Pillbeam, such an English name. That he's is a, so um, He's fantastic. He's a... Uh, Right, it's on private eye in England, and we—they just come in with lovely ideas. And then, but as you get more relaxed with people over the years, and you get to know them, they're—they're they're much more willing to pitch ideas, and they get more confident, and we get more friendly, and they know how things work. And it's been—it was wonderful this year. There's a real, you know, shorthand between us, and then bringing new writers. And there's a terrific girl called Gemma Arrowsmith, and she's—she'll, she's very patient. She's a Type B personality. Mm. There's always someone in the room that's like, "I got this idea. We're doing this," and then, and then she'll just say, "Can I?" Can I just say I've had this thought about people that are woke, <laughs> and it's and you go yeah 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 I've noticed that because some of my younger friends, my daughter's right. friends, are so woke. 
They're crippling themselves. They're overly woke. You know, if we did like an overly woke support group, and then I said, then how can I fit into that? Because I'm not a young right. person. I go, well, I'd be somebody that was like overly woke in the 80s, you know, and like tried to help with the war in Nicaragua right. or made a fool of herself. And now I'm like, well, I, I'll head this support group. So I have to find my, my place as the older person. It was a terrific sketch. And I love pieces like that. They they are just so current and pertinent for this year. And I know I can film that in January and it's going to be pertinent a year later. Um, And so she comes up with some lovely things. But it's a team, you know, and they have to have confidence and you have to respect the process. And sometimes they get things get written and they're nowhere near right. Mm -hmm. But then someone else will go, I'm going to have a crack at that on Wednesday afternoon when I fed my cat in Brighton. (laughs) And and they make it better. And we all bring it in and we all make it better. And then I can perform it. And it's a it's it's all about having and Caroline Norris my producer is a meticulous producer and she knows how to work a script and she's not just an organizational money person she will never give up on something she's so tenacious she's she's amazing and i really really love her for that right and so as with you being, you know, obviously the face of the show, and you are, you know, you you are the you are the woman in charge. Yeah, I wonder if they get sick of and me. Do I you guys? I highly doubt it. I <laughs> highly doubt it. When do you know when to listen to someone else's feedback or someone else's contribution, and when you know when to kind of put your foot down and say, you know what, I I know this is what I want. Mm. What is that like? Yeah, for you? it's hard. I mean, when you trust people more, though, as I say, now we're in year three. I know. I know I could seen what's worked mm. and I love it when I've been reticent about a piece and a style of a piece and I've gone that's just not what I do or I'm, I'm much more an actress than that or is that really me and I'll give it a go and I'll go oh wow I found my place in it and that's that and then I'm thrilled that I've tried something and been proven wrong you know this is a classic sort of example of how I don't understand how we're going to do a piece. Caroline was obsessed with Fortnite. You know oh, the game yeah, Fortnite? Right. And she said, let's do Fortnite Brexit. I've got a friend that can do all these like cartoons. Fortnite like brilliant, Brexit. yeah. Wow. And, and so it's all this stuff. I don't quite understand. I know my everyone's obsessed with Fortnite. And I go, well, what part am I playing in that, Caroline? She goes, I've got someone that can do these brilliant graphics, you know, in two days. And then she goes, well, you'll be the presenter. And I go, but what's the presenter? That's just a boring character. You know, what have I... I'm just a presenter. And I worry about that because I go, what's my place? And then on the day... I watched how some of these people present these things on, right. like, you know, on YouTube, and they're so cheesy. <laughs> yeah. And they do a presenter voice. Right. And, and then I thought, I'll have fun by being a woman who's... I put on this horrible makeup. It looked like I'd had a lot of facial filler. I looked like someone's mum who used to work in the record industry but got fired, and she, but she still wears a leather jacket because she thinks she looks hip. And that made me happy. She's a cool mum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she talks like that. You know, she goes, hey, kids, look at this, Fortnite Brexit. And she does that really stupid <laughs> presenter voice. And... It really gave me a great kick to do that character. That see, that's how I get into it—the joy of doing something—and it made, and, and then the whole piece came together. And it was really brilliant. It, I loved it. Uh, but at first, I was like, "Oh, well, what am I going to do?" You right. know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there you go. And so, it, you've made the distinction of saying that you. You like to think of what you do not necessarily as doing impressions, but interpretations of of characters of these celebrities and these politicians and so you met, you said that it's it's basically you're giving them lives they never knew they yeah, had the yeah, secret yeah. lives of them yeah. so when you're approaching uh, a Judy Dench or a Maggie Smith or an Angela Merkel Merkel or all these p- amazing 
characters that you've kind of fleshed out in your own way. Mm. What blanks are you looking to fill in in their lives with satire? Like, what is it that, how do you approach that and kind of flesh out this person who already, who already exists in the public eye? Yeah. And so what when you think about what can I bring to this, mm. to this person with satire, what is that process like for you? Well, you give them a hook, you know, mm-hmm. that you have to, like we decided Judy Dench, you know, just to be Judy Dench, yeah, we can put the makeup on, yeah, I can do the voice pretty well, yeah. But to give her the hook of being, like, because she's a national treasure, she can get away with anything. And she has a, she has an accomplice in a Mark, Mark Rylance. Rylance. Yeah, yeah I found this wonderful actor, Liam Hurricane. <laughs> he was great. Yeah, I love him as Mark Rylance. <laughs> and uh, the Angela Merkel, I think, you know, which I've done. I don't do it so quite so much now, but my hook in the beginning was, that, you know, because she was so mysterious, really, Merkel, that, that she secretly thinks she's incredibly sexy and she's giving <laughs> off this sort of sex musk. Right. Like people like Berlusconi and Putin, they're all secretly in love with her because she's the only girl in the room. That's her power. Right. And now I have her just completely going gaga over Macron and sort of turned around. She's like got a crush on Macron and Trudeau because there's some hot new guys right. in the scene. And I get to, I did one sketch where I played Brigitte Macron, mm-hmm. the, uh, who's quite amazing. That was fun. I love her. Yeah. She's so French. I know, right? <laughs> and when Trump said to her, your wife, your wife's in pretty good shape. It was like so oh insulting. Well, I mean, so what much we is insulting. I just... Right in front of her, you know. Oh, God. I don't know. I've come, I don't, I don't uh, have And you know they got home and went, oh, la, la. This man, oh. <laughs> oh you know, no. you know they get home right. and go, can you believe it? But in French. When you, when you approach your show, it's obviously really kind of rooted in, in British culture. And so when it comes to it airing in, like, stateside on HBO... Yeah. Are you are you ever worried that things aren't going to connect or do you just feel comedy is universal enough to get the laughs anyway? Because there are some references like where I found I found myself, you know, looking up some of these people or kind of looking up some of these situations. And, you know, I consider myself a pretty, you know. I keep up with the news and <laughs> enough, but I, there's still some things that I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm sure there are some, but it's, I think it's a lot. Is you like you know you uh, the Jacob Rees-Mogg thing sort of cut through, and it's it's a BBC show. So initially it was you know shot yeah. for the BBC and a BBC One audience, and then I'm fortunate that HBO uh, pick it up to show here, and yeah. I think it's good for an HBO audience. I think that you know they they get uh, there are yeah there are a few, but it's 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 also. Things like being overly woke and and Rupert Murdoch and Jerry Hall and you I know there's you, a lot Jerry of Trump Hall. in the show. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a lot of Melania being the you know Melania being, robot. being the Melania bot. <laughs> so I think yeah I think we get away with it. I think there's a lot uh, that connects with an American audience too. But I do think global. I'm not I you know that's the thing because I became an American. I lived in America so long. I'm English person and. But I, I, you know, I can't be parochial or just, you know, yeah. be in one. So I try and go everywhere. Right, and know? it works. I think that there's a good. I think that there's a really good balance. You know, even because obviously, I mean, we live in it's, we live in a globalized society. So you have oh, a yeah. skit where you have Theresa May talking to Trump. You know, so it's kind of like yeah, have, yeah. So, so yeah. It, it works, and you know, because you have been doing this for for so long and doing it so well for so long. I'm really curious to know, has there ever been a moment in your career where you felt like you hit just a major roadblock or you ever felt really stuck feeling like things aren't moving fast enough or I can't get this character right? Mm. Like, what has been your biggest creative struggle in your career, would you say? 
just being brave. Some days, you know, I would take it all on again doing this show and I think I'm driving there at four in the morning thinking, oh, I've got to get all this rubber on my face. Yeah. I've got to be pleasant. <laughs> Not that I want to be unpleasant. <laughs> but it's like it's about that, that good, list. positive energy exactly. and that we can get this done and, and, and you're not too exhausted or you're not worried about peripheral stuff. It's getting the focus to stay and get to the good bit and mm. all the surrounding peripheral stuff of the day of shooting a TV show doesn't drag you down. Right. You get there and people are tired and they couldn't find the location and the, it's raining and the, the generator doesn't work for the... It's all that stuff right. and overcoming all that to get to that moment where we say we got it we're in a we found that spot mm. it's that because right. i know it's there and it's um i always let it happen you know but if it doesn't feel like i should be doing a show some years i haven't mm. i've always i'm always very happy within my home and with my family and that's the most important thing i'm not an overly ambitious person yeah. i really treasure that time yeah. of an anonymity and i'm not worried about being on all the time right right and i think it's interesting when you when you talk about kind of keeping that energy up when because mm. there, there is so much that goes mm. into making a tv show and obviously you're not doing it by yourself you have amazing producers who are working with you but you i would assume that you are you're the leader of the ship it's your show so how do you keep i guess like what have you learned about about leadership in a way like how do you how do you keep morale up especially when you're dealing with a skit like where you're like you don't you're dealing with your own issues of like I don't see myself in the skit like yeah. how am I going to deal with this yeah. and you're worried about everything else and like keeping everybody at that yeah. same energy level yeah. because I mean it's a it's a it's a comedy show you have, it's yeah if, if the actors so much harder it, to do than drama exactly surely. I look at a scene I mean if you wrote a scene of a man leaving his wife in a dramatic show that's kind of you know you can you can imagine that much more easy than trying to make it funny. Exactly, I think it's so much harder. Yeah, it is. It's it's about leadership. You're right. I really do honestly want to have a good time when I go to work, and I've seen some performers make it so painful hmm. and such a horrible atmosphere in shows I've visited or wow. films I've been on, and you think, oh, what's so? Man, you're more worried about your cappuccino machine and your assistant. <laughs> it seems such a horrible way to work. Right. And um, I've seen that, and I thought, wow, when I do my own thing, I'm really going to... I'm not going to be, you know, too lovey-dovey. And he's, I mean, you know, you've got to... But it's got to be fun. Yeah. You know, and right. you've got to... Everyone's playing. Everyone really wants to do this, and they really, you know, so I just respect the crews, and they all have to improvise with me, and they all... Um, and making, but the people that let you make these shows, you have to respect them too. And some, I've I've been so lucky to work with HBO, yeah. and who give you very few notes. Their criteria is for you to make the best show. They hired you because they like what you do, and the BBC have done that with me also. It might be very hard to work on a with a group of people who the the message is mixed as to what they want from you, and they they gave me too many. I, I sanitized a show I did too much. I would find that very hard. I've been really lucky with who I've worked with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's something that I always hear a lot from creatives is when you when you're working under like a network or anything like that. It's the best material comes from just letting the creator like trusting the process of the creator. You know, so it's like it's and I, I've it's it's always works out well. But it's it's really interesting that you. You've obviously built a team that you trust and you trust their input. And even even though if you can't immediately see where you fit into a sketch, you leave that 
kind of crack in the door to say like, okay, I don't really see it, but I'm willing to kind of work with you on yeah. this. Is there, has there been an instance where it just didn't work? Like where you've just been like, where you either are reading it out loud or trying to workshop it and it didn't work? Like what, what, what does a failed sure, sketch look happens, like? that happens. And then you just, well, it's sketch. Right. So hopefully you've shot enough stuff that you don't have to use that. And if it didn't work, I, I know that they wouldn't put it out. We wouldn't put it out. But yeah, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it doesn't come together on the day or something you thought was great. It could be let down by a weird makeup or something or mm. as well. You know, there can be a technical thing that it didn't really work or our location right. wasn't right, it didn't look right. But um, yeah, it's like doing a pilot every day doing these sketch shows. You know, mm. you're just... That's exciting But I love it. I love it. And as I said, I've never... <laughs> You know, I would like to do maybe more of a show where I am at a desk or not. I mean, not a talk show type thing. But there's nothing like that in England where you could be more in a studio and do some pieces within the studio. Like, right. I wouldn't mind doing that. There's nothing like that in England, and there's no really. You know, there's all these late night shows and all mm-hmm. these guys and one lady, Samantha B. <laughs> just the and, one. Uh, yeah, just the one. Um, so there needs to be a little bit more of that in England. Maybe yeah. I'd, I'd like to try and direct the energy, that the joy and the fun that we find by doing all these locations a little more into doing a show in a studio with just a few locations. I try and make it easier on ourselves because, right. you know, there must be a way to tap what we do that we like to do so much and not make it quite so hard on ourselves and laborious. Well, to that point, I filming. mean, what? how much does the format affect your approach to it because as we've talked about you've worked in film and tv and theater and you know you had uh, comedy specials and how much does a format of what you do affect how you approach the comedy so if you were to get a studio show like how Mm. would you approach it any different than no i would just be trying to channel that energy and that joy and that inventiveness that Mm -hmm. we love so much into doing it but you have to you know like doing the show nearer to transmission you have Mm -hmm. to switch it up sometimes and really uh I'm still game to do it, you know. I still feel very... I'm not ageist. I realise I I don't feel like I'm getting older. I I really... I hate people that are getting older that say things like, oh, music's not as good as it used to be, and oh, do you remember when that used (laughs) to be better? These kids, they don't quite get with that. I hate when older people are. I can't be around people like that. you kidding me? Everything's just as great now. Everyone's just as great. It's like music's better. It's It's more... It's more accessible. (laughs) It's more accessible. Um, I don't know. Food's better. I think things... You know, I never f- feel that way. So um, I don't know why I've got why I've gotten into that, but I'm constantly thinking of changing Absolutely. things up. And I, you know, I'm current. I, I I love new stuff. I like new technology. I like um, I love podcasts. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really there's a few I really listen to, and uh, there's a real one? freedom in that. Yeah, I would like to try. I mean, what a way to experiment! It's just like doing ra- radio, isn't right. it? But like. Just much more freeing. Yeah, I would. I, I really. I, there's a few I listen to that really make me laugh. I just like. I just like Pod Save America. I of like course. those guys reading the ads. Of yeah, course, everyone of course. likes. A lot of people like Pod Save, but they just. That's just the way they're right. reading the ads. Uh, John, yes, Dan. I'm enjoying that show. Nice. And I love Karina Longworth. You must remember this. Oh my God! Have you heard yeah. Karina Longworth, Joan Crawford, <laughs> that's walk into to Cecil right. B. DeMille's office, Mister DeMille? She said. You know, and she does She does the acting herself. She goes, so join us, won't you? <laughs> I love you, Kareem Longworth. I feel like I can't have you in the studio without asking about one of my personal 
favorite characters of yours, Kay Clark. Oh, Kay, I love okay. Kay in a way that it's like it's a, in a weird way because it's like uh, she's so tragic and she's such a heartbreaking character. But she's one that's that's popped up in several of your shows. Mm-hmm. And so, what is it like, kind of having this character of yours kind of evolve? Because I know in uh, I think it was season two of Tracy Ullman's show. Like you, we actually get to see her mother that she always talks about. Yeah, and you know, you kind of She's get more backstory. So yeah, so like, what Joan. is it like when these characters kind of evolve? Kay will always be in my heart, and I love that you like her. I mean, as I think I told you the story. I mean, she's a lady that uh, she used to work in the um, bank. That um, when I was, you know, lived in Wallington. Morning, Miss Ullman. How's Hollywood? <laughs> you know, and uh, oh, how are you, Kay? You know, how's Mother? Oh, mustn't crumble. She's marvellous. Always there, brave, fighting armor. She thinks she's still in that bank, you know. But she, my daughter Mabel, says Kay is so good. Because you are K, a bit of you is K, Mum, and uh, I'll always, you know, she's a little classic clown, really. And I've, yeah. I've took a taken her through all the shows all my life, and I've probably still got another version of K in me. Um, so she'll always be with me because that's why I do this, because I love people and I see the sadness and poignancy in them and that's what I've always wanted to do and so when I do something tougher and harsher and get into this big political vibe stuff you know at the heart of me is someone like Kay who's like you know well they're in charge I suppose we should respect them really shouldn't we you know she'd be like oh mustn't crumble you know mustn't say that (laughs) (laughs) and uh, it's so English to know your place but I guess I you know I'm I just couldn't be like a K in that way. Not at all. But uh, no. <laughs> Obviously not. Yeah, but I've got her wig. It's in my suitcase oh. under my bed. Oh, I love her little... so much. That's sweet. I'm glad you do. And I just want to hug her. <laughs> Even though she probably smells like cats, I still want to hug her. No, she wishes she did smell like cats. She'll get a cat when mother dies. Mother's still alive. Mother's still there. Mother's still there. Mother's so hanging there's... on. She will, yeah. So, if you can leave our listeners with one creative lesson they have to live by, what would it be? Just be real and base it in reality and have humanity. And for God's sake, laugh. It's grim times. It's strange. But as my mother said, I live through the blitz. (laughs) Um, It is weird. And you get up and there's a state of panic and like we're under siege. And it's it's terribly all-consuming. I'm getting away from being creative now. But I... You know, I'm just always hopeful and have a laugh. And uh, as I say, just make it a you know make it a great experience and don't take things too seriously and all those things are absolutely true especially in these times well words absolutely words to live by tracy thank you so much for coming by oh really it's lovely to it. see you again Likewise. it really is <sighs> love it gorgeous Well, that just about wraps up season one of Creative Conversation. If you didn't make it out to our special live show at Fast Company's Innovation Festival, we did record it and we will have it up very, very soon, I promise. But I just can't thank you enough for listening to season one. It's been so much fun and I guarantee that season two will be even better with more illuminating guests. So I'll see you then.